Oh, we got to count the joy from every battle because we know God's right in the middle and we know he's working on our behalf. He's bringing us through in Jesus' name. He's blessing us through the process. Let us never be ignorant of the hand of God that's been working on our behalf through this entire journey. Amen. Man, humility is in the middle of appreciation, recognition of his hand at work. Amen. Man, God is good. Well, welcome to church. How's everybody doing? You should be doing better after that. Come on, somebody. If you ain't doing good after that, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you weren't worshiping. Amen. But it's good to have everybody at church today. You guys may be seated in the house this morning. So good to have everybody. Maybe you're new to Pearl Street Church. Good to have you. Maybe it's the first time you've been here in a long time. We're seeing a lot of people show up, and it's been a little bit since you've been here. So it's good that you're rolling back in. It's good to see everybody in the house. Man, we've been in a series talking about getting back to the basics. Essentially, talking, uh, talking about, man, rhythms in life can get crazy and a little chaotic, and out, you can get a little out of rhythm in life whenever you go through something you've never experienced before like a global pandemic, right? And I hate keep on bringing it up, but it's kind of, it sets the precedence for the series essentially. So I got to say it every single week. Um, but it, you know, I think it's, uh, that's essentially what it's been for us in 2020. We entered in with so much, uh, expectation and, uh, so much, uh, maybe so many things that we wanted to accomplish, but in our reality, what we actually, what, what actually happened was something that was a little different than what we maybe set out and we planned in 2020. Um, and how prophetic was it? You, you think about what, it, does anybody remember um, what our word or our theme was for 2020 last year? Does anybody remember what it was? All in. all in, baby, in Jesus' name, all in. Little did we know that two months later, the whole world would shut down. And the reality is, if we ain't all in, this ain't going to be happening. That's the reality of it, right? And this isn't just, that isn't one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like, give everything you have to the Lord. And it's, we are in for the mission of Jesus Christ to see the world evangelized. Amen, right? And so uh, when you get this chaos that has happened, it's very easy to get out of rhythm inside of life. And maybe you were like me, I got a little bit out of rhythm. I was doing things that I shouldn't, uh, I, I wasn't normally doing before. I wouldn't say I shouldn't have been doing it. I probably shouldn't be, you know, <laughs> eating that many desserts, but I was, and it was awesome, right? It was fun while it lasted. Um, and I had to change. Um, but, uh, you know, you get out of that rhythm and, and this series, he's like, you know what? We're coming into 2021. Uh, we can, you know, we can, anything that looks around us like sick or dead, or maybe like is lost hope, man, we're going to believe that God can raise it back up again. We're going to get back in the right rhythm of life and, and knowing that when there's a rhythm uh, of uh, sacrifice, when there's a rhythm of hard work, the outside, the outcome of that is, man, there's a blessing just as Jesus told his, or God told his people, if you obey, then I will bless. It's that if and then, right? So if we get back to this place of a nice rhythm uh, in our lives, then we will walk in the blessing of the Lord. And uh, so we've been talking over the past couple of weeks, and I'm not going to recap um, everything we've been talking about. Go back online and look at it. But we've been talking about uh, reviving things around our lives. Uh, we've been talking about prayer and fasting. Last week, we talked about the mindset. This week, we're going to jump into the area of, area of your money, okay? All right. Don't squirm in your seat. I know people get funny when we talk about your money. Amen. Uh, but that's reality. And so if you want to write notes, you can write this across the top of your paper, heart and treasure, heart and treasure, heart and treasure. How many guys have ever been in that place before 
where uh, you you were maybe at a, a dinner with um, your significant other or maybe a friend of yours, and you order dessert, and um, uh, you know it's about 10 minutes in and you're waiting for the dessert. Well, your other friend or your so-and-so on the other side of the table, whoever it is, um, they have to go to the restroom right then. So they go to the restroom, they get up and leave. And so right when they leave, the dessert comes. You got a decision to make. Do you wait or do you enjoy? So you say, well, I'm just going to take one bite. And so you take one bite and you're like, the glory of the Lord is here in Jesus name. I've never had this experience before, but um, <laughs> the glory of the Lord is here. I shall partake of the goodness of the Lord. And before you know it, you've devoured all of it before the other person comes back out. Anybody ever been there before? <laughs> maybe you could put it this way. Maybe, maybe uh, like this in this fasting realm that we're in, we're in a 21-day fast right now for everybody that does not know. Maybe, hopefully everybody's doing something, but um, we're in the middle of this 21-day fast. So you can eat certain things and soy riso is Heather and I's game. Come on, somebody. That soy riso game, has, it is a blessing from the Lord during a fast. It is so good. Um, so we, we've had that a lot, um, pretty much almost every meal. It's been, soy riso has been mixed in there, okay? We're from San Antonio, okay? I may be pale, but that's, I'm from San Antonio, amen? <laughs> Look at the inside. I'm warm and fuzzy and half Hispanic on the inside. <laughs> but um, so we've been eating this, and uh, so we had leftovers in the fridge, and uh, I got hungry. You know, it happens on a fast. You get hungry, um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to make myself, well, I used all of it. I used everything. And I had that thinking like, oh, shoot, uh, hopefully Heather doesn't come home and hopefully she picks up something for herself. I did not, I did not call her to inform her. I just wanted to take the risk. Sometimes as a, as a husband, you got to live risky, right? Just to bring some, some texture to the, to the relationship. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you guys have ever been there before? You, you, you do something on your behalf without any presence of mind for somebody else. It's all about you and about nobody else, right? We get, we get caught up in this inside of life, right? And it does not go well for us. Let me just tell you, it does not go well. It adds texture, but texture sometimes can be a little like sandpaper and it'll rub your anus, right? I probably shouldn't have said it that way. This is not going on. This is not going online, okay? Probably shouldn't have not said it that way. <laughs> Okay, Jesus is Lord. This is first service. As I always say, you're getting everything. Um, you're not getting the refined version. Um, so it doesn't go well for you, just FYI. <laughs> but, but what's the reality? In life, we, we, we all have this. We all have uh, things in our lives and decisions that we get to make to say, what are we going to do with what we have? We got to you know, these decisions, is this just about us or is this about everybody else? Is it just what we have or is it just... You know, or are we thinking about what we have and how it partakes you know, and, and ties into the rest of the world? I would say it this way. Each one of us has a decision to either with our resources, we can either devour them, we can sour with them, or we can honor God with them. It does not, you can, no matter how you look at it, you can either devour them, you can sour with them, or you can honor God with them. With what God has placed into our hands, a blessing of the Lord, resources into our hands, is all an opportunity, which you can read the parable uh, uh, of talents, what you do with them, how you sow them, how you manage them. The end of that scripture talks about too much is given, much is required, right? If there's input into our hands and there's a decision we got to make on, well, what are we going to do with what God has placed in our hands? And that is a tough decision. You can devour it and say, it's all mine, Jesus is Lord, amen. 
That was so good. I don't care about anybody else's, my world, my thing, all good. You can sour with it in like, it's all mine, hoard it. Ugh. It's mine. Ugh. Nobody else, I'm gonna sour with it. Ugh. I'm greedy. Ugh. Or you can honor God with it and say, it's all his anyways. I'm just gonna live a life of blessing. You know, it's not that I'm not building my life. It's not that I'm, I'm not moving and grooving, but I live a life in order within margin that all resources into my house is going to come into a budget. And I know exactly where my money's going because if we don't tell our money, we don't tell our money where it's going, our money will tell us what we can do and what we cannot do. And usually in a life, whenever our money is telling us what we can and cannot do, the first thing that goes is our honor towards God. That's the first thing that goes. So number one, if you want to write this down, uh, you can write this down. Number one is God desires a portion of our increase. God desires a portion of our increase. This is God's design. It's his design, not man's design. God desires a portion of our increase. We take this scripture and you can look all the way in Deuteronomy 14. This is Moses directing the children uh, of Israel, God's chosen people. They would be a blessed people that the whole world would see as a blessing to them. This is what, uh, um, this is what Moses would speak to them in Deuteronomy 14. It says this, you must set aside a tenth of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring the tithe to the designated place of worship the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes and uh, tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. It says this, doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Right off the bat, Moses' indication to God's chosen people Hey, in a tenth of all of your increase, whatever it may be, with your animals, with your grain, with your olive, whatever it may be, take 10% of that and take it to your place of worship. Where God is being worshiped, you take it to that place. And with this, by doing so, what is it doing? The last part of this scripture says, doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. But by, by making this a practice inside of your life, that as increase comes in, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get your 10% out. You're trying to get it back into his hands. And by doing this, it's constantly keeping a reminder that, man, I'm going to live a life where I honor God. This fear of the Lord is not this fear like, <gasps> it's fear that God is in control of all, okay? He's in control of all. So that's, that's a respect. It's a fear, respect of the Lord that he has all. And by that, in that respect of God, you're saying... Dude, this is all yours. I got to get my 10% in your hands. So you can say it this way. If you want to just a quick statement about this 10%, you can, you can say it this way. Um, by getting 10% of what I have in his hands, I get his hand on the 90% of what's in mine. I might've changed it. Okay. I don't know if they have it up there. I, I think I changed it on them. I'll say it again. By getting 10% of what I have in his hands, I get his hand on the 90% of what's in mine. That's how you should look at this. I got to get the 10% back in his hand because I'm constantly have this practice. I have this rhythm inside of life. We're getting back to the basics, okay? Back to the basics. Fundamentally, resources, we all have them. But do we live a life of respect for our creator? Do we live a life to say, man, it's all his anyways. And because of that, we want 10%. We got to get it out of our hands into his hand. So his hand is on the 90% of what's left in ours. That's the mentality. 
So you can look at this and, and, and where does this come? Some people are like, oh, this 10% thing, I don't know about that. I, 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 you, know, uh, you know, that's an Old Testament deal. It's a New Testament thing. Jesus himself is the one that said, hey, tithing you should do, but don't neglect the greater things in life, right? Tithing you should do. That, yes, you should tithe, but don't neglect the greater things in here. So it's not the greatest thing, obviously. Tithe is not the greatest thing, but it is a thing that should be a rhythm of our lives to keep that fear in, uh, or keep that respect there. You know, how many times, if anybody in here, you, um, this is something we got to be careful of. Have you ever fed a dog before? Anybody ever fed a dog before? And then you put your hand right next to what you fed that dog and you almost got your hand taken off? Sometimes we can operate like that, right? God blesses us and all of a sudden he's like, hey, I, I, I want you to give. I want you to be generous. And all of a sudden you're like, I, I, shut up, God. Get out of my ear, right? We, we can act just like a ravenous dog that feels like, and why does the dog act like that? A dog believes that's their last meal, so please don't take any of it. We don't want to act like we live in lack. Our God owns a cattle on a thousand hill. He can bless us. He can honor us. I mean, he, he will bless us if we operate in righteousness and we operate in uh, uh, faithfulness towards him. If we honor him with our stuff, he will bless us. First things first, though, is we got to get this out of our hands. Now, you can look in the, um, uh, the Old Testament. You'll hear us talk about this in Malachi. Malachi is a prophet. He's in the time right around Nehemiah. Uh, theologians believe he's right around Nehemiah. He's talking about the new temple being built and all this. And and so he's right around this time. And what he's doing is <clears throat> he's rebuking the children of Israel because they got a little lackluster in their life. They got a little comfortable inside of their life. They, they, they begin to, you know, just get, you know, not go to church anymore. And, you know, they, they, be, they, begin, to, they begin to forget God's blessing inside of their lives. So Malachi, the last prophet before Jesus comes, 400 years before Jesus comes, the last book of the Old Testament is Malachi. And Malachi would write this, and you hear us say it all the time. But Malachi is coming to rebuke Christians, Jewish individuals. We'll say it at this moment in time. Jewish individuals, religious people. They've got a little lackluster inside of their faith. They started, they started doing things that were out of rhythm. And now he's like, you guys got to get back to the fundamentals. You got to get back to the basics. And he would say this in Malachi 3, um, verse number 6. I'm going to read it through um, verse number 12. He says this, I am the Lord, and he's speaking as a prophet. Just so you understand, we're going back to what a prophet is. A prophet is a man that speaks on behalf of God to people. A pastor is a, uh, a man that speaks on behalf of people to God, right? I'm in the intercession for a group of people, right? Obviously, Jesus is our intercessor, but that's the, the, the dynamic of, of the Old Testament, right? You get a priest and a prophet, two different things, man from God to man, people to God. Those two separate things right there. So this is a prophet from God to man, okay? And so it's saying this, I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descend, uh, that is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. You got out of the basics. You got out of the rhythms, basically what he's saying. Now return to me and I will return to you. Get back in the rhythm and then I'll get my blessing back on your life, okay? You get how this is playing out says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Verse number eight, should people uh, cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me. This is the response. You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You have taken that 10% and you have robbed it from me. 
Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. The only time in scripture that God says to his people, put me to the test. With the stuff that's in your hands, bring it back to me. Put me to the test. The only time. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before, you are, before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I love about this. This is what it comes down to. Get back to the basics. Stop robbing from me. When you do that, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to keep insects and all this away. You, you know, your, your fruit won't drop to the ground and wither before you're able to capture it in order to... Uh, and, and turn it into you know, uh, resources for yourself or abundance for yourself, I'll do that. And when you do this, as you operate in obedience, what does God's word say? Then all the nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight. I love the back end of here is do all of this obedience stuff so I can bless you so that the world can see you and my hand of blessing on you so they will honor me through you. This is the beauty of what God is trying to say. Like people, like operate in tithing and offering and generosity inside of your life. Give, give, give. Bring it back to the storehouse so that you can live a blessed life. And people are like, darn, you bless. You're like, yeah, I love the Lord. And they're like, darn, okay. Maybe I need to know this God that you love and you honor. Man, maybe I'll come to church with you. They'll see your life is blessed. Isn't that incredible? I love how it all ties back to, this isn't about building our kingdom, it's about building his kingdom. And then as he builds our kingdom, his kingdom is built. If we try to build our kingdom, his kingdom is not built. But if he builds our kingdom, then we build his kingdom. And we only build his kingdom, or he only builds our kingdom when we operate in obedience towards him. It's a crazy concept. How crazy is this? There's a young lady in our church, Natalie. Probably shouldn't say her name, but I did. I won't say it for the next services. <laughs> She's a young lady said, you know what? She got saved a couple years ago, started coming to church. Life has been changed. We've, we've showed a life change story on her. She just got married, uh, I think six months ago during COVID. Life, you know, things are, she's just living, she's on fire right now. God is just blam. She's like, oh my God. She said, you know what? I've never started tithing before. Gave her life to the Lord, started, ser- you know, started coming to church, serving, getting more involved. Um, she said, I've never tithed before. So she started tithing. And she saw God's blessing on her life. She did a little at first, like 3%. Then she gave 10%. Like she did the full 10%. I was like, Phew. God just kept blessing her. She's like, man, if God can bless me on 10%, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to tithe. I'm going to double it. I'm going to tithe 20%. And literally she started tithing 20% and God's hand of blessing was on her life. And she's like, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand how this is working out. But what is it? The word of God is true. And yay and amen, that when we live in this thing, the supernatural God will work on behalf of our thing. This is the beauty of the God in which we serve. Tithing has been in existence far before Moses ever spoke it. You look at the story inside of Genesis 14, I'll recap it for you. Essentially, Abraham, his nephew Lot, if you know the story, Lot was a little bit, some of us got a lot to get rid of, okay? Lot was causing problems. The nephew of Abraham was causing Abraham some problems, Lot got himself into some trouble where there was five kings coming against four kings. He was on the wrong side of the battle. He found himself where he got captured by 
uh, one of these kings. Well, Abraham caught wind of it and said, I'm going to grab 318 of my best men. We're going to track that army down. We're going to recoup my son Lot or my, my nephew Lot, and we're going to recapture everything. And they recaptured everything, brought it back. Now, here's a story of two different types of kings. Abraham is a man that has all the possessions. He restored it. God gave him victory over these individuals. His lot was, his, uh, lot was causing him some issues. Now, Lot lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. We've talked about that before. It was a wicked city that honored the enemy, honored the devil, did not honor God. There was no, you know, no uh, God-fearing men there. And essentially, there's two different kings that came. The king from Sodom came to get something from God. The other king, the king from Salem, came to give something. The king from Salem came in and blessed Abraham, said, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with some bread and wine. I'm going to bless you. The king from Sodom came and said, hey, I want my stuff back. Give my stuff back. It's the tale of two different kings. And I love about this story, uh, the, the king from Salem, which is uh, modern day Jerusalem, the, the name that he went by ultimately meaning the king of righteousness. And what Abraham did, he operated as king and priest over Jerusalem. And Abraham said, of all this that has been brought into my house through the victory of God, I'm going to give a tenth back to you, the priest over Jerusalem, essentially. He gave a tenth. This practice of giving was already at play. And today what I'm saying is, I'm I'm speaking from a place of, uh, this is something that we have to get into our lives. It's something that I've done since the day of, uh, since 16 years old when I got my first job working in an auto shop. I was a grease monkey is what they called me. That grease all over me. But ever since I got my first paycheck at 16 years old, 10% has always gone to the Lord. Why? Even to this day, I'm pastor of this church. 10% of my income and my wife's income go back to this church. I may lead this space, but I'm going to lead by example inside of this space. I'm going to be a tither inside of here because I believe in it just as much as you believe in it. I have to set the tempo. It's 10% believing in this movement. God, you're going to move through this thing. God, you're going to use me. Uh, God, you're going to use these resources in order to build the kingdom. uh, Tithing was at play far before Moses ever instructed us inside of it or Jesus said anything. It was a practice inside of life. It was a rhythm that we were in or that uh, believers were in. And today I would ask, are you in that rhythm? Are you in that rhythm to say, you know what? I'm giving, I'm faithful in what I'm doing. I'm keeping it as a reminder. I'm living in honor towards God that as he pours pours into my house, man, I'm gonna keep on getting it out of my hand so that the rest of what I have is blessed by God's hand. I wanna keep on doing that. You know, we can, uh, if you look at it, what Malachi 3.10 is saying is you gotta get it to the place of worship because that place of worship is a place that honors me. This is a place of worship. That's why we bring it to the house. There's some people who are like, you know, I'm just going to stay home and I'm going to watch Joe Osteen online. And I'm going to that's my church. I'm going to tie there. That's not your church. You don't know a darn person in there. Church is about community. Some people would just say, you know, I, I don't know about the church. You know, it's just, you know, some people, church people, you know, churches get a little funny when you talk about money, you know, and I just don't trust those people. And what do they do? They'll start to reason away their obedience and they'll live in lack inside of their life. What would happen if this church wasn't here? What would happen if nobody gave and did what Malachi 3.10 said and brought into the storehouse? What would happen? Would this church be existent? Would not be existent? Wouldn't be. The reality is when you give, it provides an opportunity for stories like last week, a man on the street, Gregory, we served him through our day of difference. He's on the streets here today. He used to work over here, got into some trouble, was incarcerated. He used to sit right here during lunch 
uh, on the uh, the concrete step right there, eat his lunch. Little did he know he was just a step away from the hope that he actually needed. Last week, an individual, Alex, uh, an individual came this last week that was drug addicted. Walked through these doors, found hope in Jesus Christ, now wants to get baptized. Okay, this is the reality in which we live in. As we are operating in obedience with what we have to the kingdom, it provides an opportunity inside of this house to accomplish a great commission right here inside of this city. But we can't be like the dogs, like get up all my stuff, right? There's a couple different mentalities we can have, and I'll go through them very quickly. We can have a mentality when it comes to our finances where we say uh, we can have the more mentality. We want more more. We just keep on wanting more. Doesn't matter how much comes in. We just want to keep on giving more. And if we have any go out, then we feel like we can't get more. That's the more mentality. We always need more. And we've talked about this before. The more mentality, if you look, look at statistics, people who make $20,000 say they need $40,000 to be happy. People who make $40,000 say they need $80,000 to be happy. People who make $80,000 say they need $160,000 to be happy. No matter how much is coming in, you will always double it in order to think and perceive that you are happy and that you'll be content. It's not about the more mentality. It's about faithfulness. And through that faithfulness, God's blessings on it. When God's blessings on it, man, you can rejoice in all that God's doing in and through your life. The more mentality can jack us up. You know what's another mentality, Kim? That's too, that's too much mentality. The too much mentality is, well, whenever I first started working, I used to get like $816 a week. Amen. The glory of the Lord is upon me. It was 18... Maybe that was, I think it was every two weeks. That was, I was getting paid every two weeks, like $800 every two weeks. And so I would bring $80, 10%, $80 $81.60, I think is what it is, right? Let's not be two. But I'd bring that, man, praise God. Then I started making like $2,000 uh, every two weeks. I'm like, okay, well, it was 80. It was this. Oh, now I got to bring 200. That's a lot. 80 wasn't so much, 200 is, right? That's too much mentality. That's the too much mentality. The too much mentality hasn't grown with the blessing that God has placed in your life. So you were good with $80, tithing. Oh, that's nothing. Praise God. 200? Oh, Lord Jesus. I don't know about that. I mean, uh, Brian said it earlier when I was telling him what I was speaking about. He said, you know what? Some of us put more faith in Conor McGregor last night to win than we do God. Come on, let's be real. That's a real statement right there. I'm like, thank you, Pastor Brian, for that. I'm using it here today in Jesus' name. I should have just said it and not given him any of the credit. Right? What's the reality? That's, that is our reality. If I told you today, hey, if you take $100, you take $200, you take $10,000, and you put it in this one stock, and in 10 years, you're going to be a billionaire. Everybody in here would do everything they, whatever they could to take $10,000 and get it in that one stock, right? If Warren Buffett, I'll just, not me, you probably, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. You're just a pastor. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Warren Buffett said, okay, <laughs> anybody in here would do it. But as pastor, what I'm telling you, this is what God says, just like Natalie has done. When you operate in obedience, God's hand of blessing is on your life, and nothing can replace that. We can live with, there's, oh, that's too much mentality. I don't know about that. What I give today is far different. Come on, my wife is a doctor. What I give today is far different 
I'm just, I'll, I'll say it this way. With what we gave last year, we can buy a car. Just put it that way. With what we gave last year, we could buy a car in a nice car. There's some people in here that you have to grow with what God has placed in your hands. God cannot bless the individual that's not growing with the blessing. I, I faithfully, we and Heather faithfully write those checks. Praise God, because we know there's a blessing on the rest of the 90% that we have. Amen. And there's been that blessing on the rest of our money for our entire lives. We've always been faithful in our tithing. So that's the too much mentality. There's number three is I don't have enough mentality. Oh, I'd always need more. If you live through the Great Depression, anybody here have grandparents that lived through the Great Depression? They held on to everything. I mean, newspapers, you're like, what do you need a newspaper for? Like, you never know. You need to wrap boxes or wrap something in to keep them sitting. Like, let it go. It's from 1950. Like, let it go, right? But it's the, we're never going to, it's the lack. It's the poverty mentality. We're always going to not have enough and it's not going to come together. No, our God is faithful. Our God owns a cattle on a thousand hill. He will bless us as we operate in obedience, right? It's that constant reminder. The fourth thing I would say is you can have, I don't trust mentality. I don't trust I don't trust the church with my money, so I'd rather just put it in the hands of, you know, nonprofit organizations, which are good things. They may be doing good things that are godly principles, but it's not God's house. We, we, sometimes we can be more quick, and I've said this before, and it offended a few people, but I'll say this. Some people are quicker to give towards endeavors to rescue dogs than they are towards endeavors to rescue people. Okay, I get it today. Do dogs go to heaven? I don't know. <laughs> but what I do know is people do. <laughs> and people might not have the opportunity to. So I want my money in the hands of places, right, and that, that is providing an opportunity for salvation and eternity to be given. Amen. The last thing is the tipping mentality. If God is good to me today, or if the church is good to me today, then I'll give. But if not, I may just walk this bill. I'm going to come and eat. Deuces. That's the tipping mentality. We got to be very careful in this world, right? We got to be very careful in this world. What is 10% of our income? Budget accordingly. Tell your money where it needs to go so that you can live a life of obedience towards God. Because the moment, right, you can live out of means. You know, it takes one decision to get out of alignment. And the first person to go whenever you get out of alignment in your finances is God. You can be completely good, obedient, got living a blessed life. Oh, I need a new car. You buy that new car. Now that payment is covering all that margin that you had. And now you're like, well, what do I do? I got to pay for the car. I don't want to get it impounded. God's the first thing to go. I don't want to give it to God. All of a sudden you have his hand removed off of your life. You start wondering why in the world am I not living and feeling the peace that I used to have? And I'm not, you know, I don't have, you know, I don't, I'm not seeing God moving my life like he used to. Well, more than likely you've stepped out of obedience. And just like Malachi said, you guys got to get back to the basics, get back to the fundamentals, what's in your hands and make sure you're getting 10% of it into God's hands. So you have a blessed 90% that's in yours. Amen. I know that's getting into trenches. Don't get funny when we talk about that money. Okay. I'm in it just like you, in it just like you. The second thing I was this, uh, or you can write this down. Eternal security comes from a life of obedience. Eternal security comes from a life of obedience. Now, everybody in here, and this is, a, this is something we all have to fight against. The rich young ruler came to Jesus asking, how does he in inherit eternal life? He, he wanted eternity. And everybody inside of here, we want eternal life. The challenge was the rich young ruler had a problem with money. And because he had a problem with money, 
He was not willing to live a life of obedience in order to walk with eternal security in, in God. So with that, he was much rather have stuff and earthly security than operate in obedience towards earthly obedience that leads towards eternal security. The Bible says that he went away the moment that Jesus said, hey, sell your possessions, give to the poor and follow me. The moment that God said that, he's like, no, I can't do that. That's too much of a burden. That's too much sacrifice. My heart has been gripped too much by stuff, right? This is an area that we got to be really careful on inside of our lives, that this world and these things of this world, this is where Jesus gets into the trenches. Don't store up treasures here. Man, this stuff rusts. It's going to burn up anyways, as I say it all the time, right? They're fun for a little while, and they can be fun as long as they're inside of margin of your life. But the moment you step out and you start robbing God to do this, man, that stuff will spoil on you quick and it'll never satisfy. So we are, when it comes to eternal security, it comes with earthly obedience. The rich young ruler was not in a place. Greed had captured his heart and therefore wrecked shop on his mind in living in obedience towards God. If we want to live with eternal security, it's going to come with that obedient mentality. If you take it back to the garden, so long as Adam and Eve live in appreciation of what God has blessed them with, they never would have stepped into a place where they ate the apple. There was that desire for more. We want more that took them out of a place of honoring God and living in appreciation. And this is a key thing, just as they did. We got to live in that same mentality. Man, we love you, God, and we thank you. I mean, how much honor is it, right? Man, we are in his presence. God loves us, that he rescued us, that, man, he's working on our behalf, that he's healed our bodies, that he's blessed us inside of this life. Are we serving incredible God? We lose sight of that. Now we'll be in a place to say, man, but what more can we have from this earth? What more? Ugh. And we got to be careful on that. We always got to live in that obedience of righteousness. Say, God, it's all yours anyways. We just want to honor you with our lives. Amen. That's number two. Number three, I would say this. Get our treasure where our heart is so that our treasure honors God's heart. Get our treasure where God's heart is or get our treasure where our heart is so that our treasure honors God's heart. Here's the difference inside of here. Zacchaeus is an individual that was living a greedy life. Zacchaeus was an individual in the more mentality. I need more, 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 more. In order to do more, he needed to be more unrighteous. <laughs> he was a greedy person. He was a tax collector. I don't know about you. I don't like the IRS. Because just as much as I tithe, I get, we get taxed. A lot of money. And that's cool whenever it's like this amount, but it's not cool when it's like that amount. <laughs> they tax us at like 34%. I could buy three cars with that. Come on, somebody. I'm just being real with you today. I probably shouldn't say all this. My wife is going to kill me. But I'm just being real. With what we give to the government, three cars. What we give to God, one car. That's the natural in me. But I know, man, there ain't no car that will satisfy God's blessing on my stuff, right? Tell the, two, tell the two people. One had a greedy heart. The other one had a heart that wanted to honor God. Zacchaeus being a tax collector, Jesus was coming into town. He could not see. He may have been a small man. Sorry for all everybody that's short. <laughs> but you got Zacchaeus' problems. 
vertically challenged, but that's okay. But Zacchaeus had a problem seeing Jesus came into town. He couldn't see, so he climbed up a tree. It was a sycamore tree. Jesus called him down from that tree and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house. I'm coming into your space. I'm coming into your place. In that response, the reaction that Zacchaeus had from a relationship with Jesus Christ, what he found in Jesus Christ, moved him out of a greedy mentality and moved him towards a mentality of generosity. And what Zacchaeus would say, Zacchaeus would say that... um, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. It's the tell of two different people. One walked away, head down, frustrated. I just don't understand. The other one walked away and said, you know what? I've been off. I have not been in alignment with God's plan. I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor. I'm going to do and take care of them. And then if I cheated somebody, I'm giving four times as much as I cheated them. I'm giving back. I'm giving over and above. I've had a moment with Jesus inside of my life. And I'll tell you today, if you haven't had a moment with Jesus, more than likely, this is all head knowledge that's really going to challenge, challenge your earthly perspective. Everything I'm saying today, you like, stop talking about the money. You're just a greedy church. You just always, church always wants my money. You know, I've heard it a thousand times. But I truly believe like Warren Buffett will tell you what stock to put it in. As a pastor, I'll tell you, put it in tithing. Get your money in tithing so God can bless it. I have no reservation about that. Why? Because I'm doing it myself and I see God's hand of blessing on my own life. We don't need your money. But without your money, this isn't a reality. It's a little bit of an oxymoron, but it makes sense. (laughs) We don't need it. God's already got it worked out. Because if you're going to be disobedient, God's already got somebody that's obedient that's going to cover what you're doing. He's already got it worked out. If this is a God thing, right? If this is by God's design, it's going to be on God's dime. That's been a statement we've made for a long time. We're just doing all the cliches in. What's the difference? Jesus had an impact with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus responded in obedience towards God. I'm going to do this. The question today with your stuff is, have you had an encounter with Jesus that is getting you moving in the direction of God? I've got to get in alignment with what his word says. I've got to start justifying all my disobedience. I want to keep on building the kingdom of God. You know, I was just talking to a lady this past week in our church. She came, she lives up in Austin. She travels down every single weekend. She's a traveling nurse. She started with us in the church, has been here for a long time. No matter where she's been at in the country, she's always been tuned in. She, Pearl Street is her church. Whenever she's close by, she comes. Now that she's in Austin, she's really close by. She comes as often as she can, as long as she's not working, she's here. She just told me last week, this is it. She's, she's been an obedient tither the entire time. I'm telling you, single, female, 20, maybe 30 years old. I never asked her age. You don't ask women your age, okay? But she just told me this last week, right here on the curb. Pastor, I just got a $50 raise. I was like, uh, were you making like $2 before? What happened? Like, <laughs> like, why were you working for $2 an hour? That's like, that's not even minimum wage. You might want to work that out. No, she's like, no, I was making good money before, but I got a $50 raise. As pastor, knowing the dynamics, I'm like, you're blessed because you walk in obedience. Yeah. The blessing of God will always chase people down that are obedient. It doesn't mean that it's always great. 
doesn't mean that there's not times of challenge. Come on, everybody in here, if you're in school, is always going through a test. And this life is one big test for every individual. Are we earthly obedient that we have eternal security? That's it. Are we earthly obedient so that we have eternal security? If we're earthly disobedient, it disqualifies us from eternal. Eternity with God. Why? Because we've already decided that we don't need him. We are our own God. He's going to give us what we want. Eternity away from us because we lived on this earth away from him. Make sense? So today in your finances, if God has stepped into your heart, maybe you've got out of a rhythm. Maybe COVID has put this lack mentality inside of your life. I don't have enough. We're never going to have enough. The economy is going to fall apart. The world's going to fall apart. I don't know. I'm going to start hoarding. And you're getting that great depression mentality on hoard, hoard, hoard. You're going to sour with it. Maybe God's been good through it and he's like blessed you but you're not obedient and you're devouring it. It's all me. Conor McGregor. Dang it. I lost all that. Honor God with it. I'm telling you, honor God with it. If you're here today, pick a number. I'm just saying any number. If you're not giving today, pick a number. I want to give 1%. I want to give 3%. Pick a number. Malachi says, test me in this. As a word from God to people, test me in this. What is he saying? Put them to the test. Pick a number. Just do something. And then watch God's hand of blessing. And as he blesses you, grow with the blessing so that you don't get caught in that mentality. Oh, that's too much. It's never too much with God. He wants to bless us for what purpose? That the world can look at us and say, you're blessed by me. We can be a blessing to the world. God blesses. He's the blessor. And then we get to bless the world. Amen. Pick a number and you're giving, okay? The other part of that is if you are here today and you haven't met Jesus, just like Zacchaeus, he had to meet Jesus to have a transformation inside of his life. Today, maybe it's not giving and you don't need to hear giving today, but you showed up on a day that we're talking about giving, so I'm sorry. Just being real. But you came because you need to meet Jesus because you don't, know, you don't feel like you should feel. You're not thinking the way you should be thinking. Your life is a wreck today. Your marriage is a wreck, whatever it may be. And just like Zacchaeus, he needed Jesus to come into his house and into his life. Maybe you need Jesus to come into your life. And today's the day you need to surrender and say, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. I got to lay down my life and I want to know you, Jesus, because I want to move in a different direction. I don't want to leave this place continuing the same destructive direction, the same destructive behaviors, the same destructive mentality. I want to to move from and if that's you, I want, I want you to make a decision for Christ today. And we're going to pray together as a body to say, you know what? Jesus, by meeting him, it transforms us. He is the hope of the world. He is the transformation that every human soul on this earth is looking for. That no substance or thing in this world will ever be able to satisfy this deep longing to know the creator. And if that is you, you are searching, you are longing for something different. You can find it in Jesus Christ right now in a simple prayer. It's confessing with your mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. You are the gift that God has sent for me. You are the generous gift that God sent for me. And with that, you are the transformation I can find inside of my life. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you, you say, I want to receive Jesus. Just raise your hand, wave at me real quick. Say, I want to say yes to Jesus. Amen. Maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus. Wave at me. Today's my day. I want to recommit. Amen. Amen. Several hands in the house here today. Let's all just say a simple prayer together. But as we said last week, Simple prayers handle big problems. 
And when it comes to salvation, the big problem with sin is handled in one prayer, the salvation's prayer, the sinner's prayer. So let's all say this together. Say, Jesus, we thank you that you're willing to come to a broken life like mine and restore me. Forgive me this morning for everything I've done wrong that's out of alignment with your will. Today, come into my heart and change my mind, change my life, and transform my heart. Set my direction today, Jesus, in the way of righteousness, that I may honor you with this life I get to live. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. And everybody says, amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Amen. Amen.